Good morning. Uh, thank you for coming for Teacher Appreciation Sunday. And we have a panel of experts up here that uh, we've gone to no expense to corral. And uh, they, they're willing to come and uh, share some, ex some experiences with you. My name is Chuck Downing. And I'm Becca Irwin, and I'm going to introduce uh, some of our panelists today so you can get to know them a little bit more. Um, all the way on the end there is Annette Rowers, and she is currently a seventh grade English and history teacher at Memorial Prep Academy. And um, right here in the awesome shirt, her students have an awesome teacher, true story. She is a current sixth grade teacher at Imperial Beach Elementary, and I need that shirt because it's total truth for me, too. <laughs> <coughs> Well, that's hard not to say anything. Um, <clears throat> we also have with us, uh, sitting right next to me in my immediate right, is a principal at uh, Riverview Elementary. This is Brian. And then Stacy is a chemistry professor at Grossmont and Cuyamaca. And so uh, welcome you all to the panel. And we're going to be asking you a couple of questions. And now they did hear the questions ahead of time, so this is not like make it up on the fly. So they sound really good. So here we go. <laughs> Here we go, because they're teachers, and once you do it once, you always want to teach it again. <laughs> All right, so the first question we have for you today, uh, attack or defend this statement, being a Christian educator in today's climate is impossible. So let's start with the awesome Michelle. I am absolutely of the opinion and belief that you can be a Christian educator and very clearly a Christian educator, and it doesn't have to be in a Christian school to do so. I grew up in Christian schools, and so when I decided to become a teacher, I was a little, I went, okay, how am I going to do this? Because how do I do this as a Christian who grew up in Christian schools and went to Christian college, and now I'm going into a public school system? And not only did I quickly find other educators who were present with me, who firmly believed in praying over our students on a regular basis, uh, sharing concerns, sharing prayers. But I also found a deep need in my students, both who have a faith background and those who don't, in living my life the way I am called to as a Christian. Um, teaching is not just a stand in front and lecture. I'm fabulous at that. I ask my students. I give great lectures. Um, now, <laughs> nobody's taking notes. Did you notice nobody's no, taking notes? I'm really there will be a quiz. To, I'm, 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 I'm having issues. No, but um, teachers are also parents and social workers and negotiators and police officers. <laughs> And I mean, we have so many nutritionists, for heaven's sake. No, you may not eat that many Takis. It's not healthy for you. Um, but our students need all of it from us. And it absolutely has to be grounded in, for me, in my walk with Christ. That I look at them and seek Christ's face in them every day. And I'm reminded constantly that they are his child first before they ever walk in and are my student. If I don't live that way with them, I am not meeting all the needs that they have. And believe me, these days, our students have a lot of needs. Thank you. Uh, Stacey, we'll ask you the same question here. Attack or defend this statement. Being a Christian educator in today's climate is impossible. 
So first off, I'm a pastor's kid, so um, <laughs> nothing is impossible with God. Um, so that's found in Luke. Um, so right off the bat, I mean, I'm not a public speaker, okay? I'll have you know that I, I, I teach in smaller classrooms. This is kind of weird for me. Um, but God can help you do anything. Um, so even my very first day of class, um, you know, you might have those jitters and different things going on. God is with you. Um, so what I do in my classroom, I have students everywhere from high school students who are trying to get ahead um, to, um, you know, normal college-age students to uh, middle uh, middle age and up students these days at the community college. Um, so I have a wide range of ages. And um, what I try to do is just get to know them a little bit. Um, so either before or after class, um, just ask them questions. You know, they'll probably tell me a little tidbit uh, here and there. So I just get to involve myself in their lives a little bit. Um, and slowly they start to share a little bit more with me. And I find out ways that I can help minister to them. Um, oftentimes just through encouragement, um, you know, you can do this or, you know, I think you can get through this really hard time. Um, and, you know, just being compassionate um, can make a big deal, uh, make a big deal in um, someone's life. Yeah, relationships and encouragement and compassion are really important in teaching. Um, I also realized that we didn't introduce ourselves except for our names. That's true. So um, I'm Becca Irwin. I um, have taught middle school for many, many years. Middle school is awesome. Um, but right now I'm currently an instructional coach at Cajon Valley Middle School. So, hey, guys. <laughs> They're waving at me back there. Um, this is Dr. Chuck Downing. He is a retired science uh, high school teacher, university professor. He's currently an adjunct professor at Point Loma Nazarene University. Um, you want to add one? I taught middle school for one day. <laughs> <laughs> but he does do science. And always check out his ties if you, haven't, if you don't know that about him. All right, so I'm going to move on to the second question, um, and this question is for both Annette and Brian, so we're going to start with Annette. Annette, as a believer, how do you view your students? So I teach at a school where 95% of my students um, have free and reduced lunch, and what that means is 95% live below the poverty line. Now, that's the national poverty line. And we understand that that poverty line makes no sense in Southern California. Um, within my own classroom, my seventh grade English and history students, I have students whose uh, parents struggle with mental illness. I have students who are homeless. I have students who wait an hour and a half to cross the border each morning to come to school. I have students who are underskilled. I have students who are overskilled. I have students with two parents at home, both working. I have students with single parents working three jobs so that they can provide food. All of those students are expected to come into my classroom and learn. Would you be ready for learning? So what can I do? How I view my students is what I can do. I can listen to them. 
I can offer them unconditional positive regard. I can provide them with hope. I can demonstrate kindness and compassion. And all of those come from God. So I don't know how um, I would be able to do the job that I'm expected to do without the Lord. Thank you. Brian? Yeah, um, just viewing students, I think, um, just along with the teachers you've hear, heard here, I had similar teachers growing up that valued me as a little guy um, for sometimes reasons much unknown to me. I was in the principal's office a lot and uh, did not make their jobs easy in early grades. So um, that always stood out to me and as a model for me as I um, started teaching to um, just value my students regardless of their behaviors and all the different things that they come to school with. Um, so just seeing them and, and working on how to love them. For some, it's just going to a t-ball game. For others, it's uh, maybe to a dance or something that they're doing or um, just giving some extra time after school or before school, whatever that might look like. Um, but again, then it goes a step further, I think, when you're um, an administrator to have the same view of the teachers and to um, figure out ways to care for them and love them and, and support them as um, teachers have done for me, as Jesus does for us. Um, the forgiveness that comes to us is something to keep in mind always when you've just got the the most challenging situation in front of you, high school, middle school, elementary child, whatever it might be. So I think viewing them, trying to view them the way God views us is the challenge and the key. Thank you. Uh, we also ask each of our panelists to, um, to think about some time in their teaching experience that they consider to be a particular God moment. And so since this is the last period before lunch, we're going to um, mix it up a little bit. And we'll just start here with Brian and go that way. Okay, so you get to be first. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> so God moments for me, the most recent in my career-wise as an administrator, have been on selecting staff. I think that the people that we select to work with our children is probably the most important thing that we do. And so I put a lot of time and energy and effort into recruiting and, and finding good teachers. And sometimes you find the perfect person, interview, offer the job, and they can't do it for whatever reason. Um, and so uh, there's just been something, uh, circumstances, nothing short of miraculous when uh, someone, um, a couple of the, these key candidates were pastor's wives at the time and they were called to a church all of a sudden out of the blue and we had just spent so much time recruiting and and interviewing and they had to go and then and or that was changed all of a sudden and so the situation was tragic in their eyes but the candidate was able to come to our school and be an amazing uh, teacher which was a huge blessing for our school for the students for the community um or vice versa. The number one candidate can't come for whatever reason, so we go with number two, and they turn into that special person. So I think um, that God is very involved in those um, just through myself and other Christian staff at, at schools that are praying for teachers and for their interactions and for those right key people to come into students' lives. And I've just had some of those experiences where I come in and, and, and tell my wife, I'll never believe what happened today. We got this candidate or, or whatever it might be. So those are some of our my God moments. A couple of years ago, um, I realized that the fifth grade team was um, setting me up. Yeah. 
uh, I would regularly have conversations with them. They'd come to me and they're like, here, uh, we're giving you this child. We, we want this child in your class. The principal would come to me and say, we want this child in your class. And the question I started with was, why, me? And then I realized as I got, as they would talk to me about that child, um, for some reason, they decided that the child needed to be with me because of the environment of my classroom. And it became more of a, why me? Um, and then about the middle of the year, dear Lord, why me? Um, because for whatever reason, and for whatever Christ does in that space, um, it's been a little bit of a safer place for some of the kids that they're putting with me. I had, um, three years ago, the one young man came to me, and he was not, and still is not, an easy student. But he came to me, and right before Christmas, he looked at me and he said, Mrs. Gates, what do you think about a mom who takes her five-year-old kid, gives him a backpack, puts two pairs of jeans in it, a couple t-shirts, gives it to him and says, I'm going to take you to visit your dad, and then I'll come get you in a couple days, but never comes back. And this same child is the one whose dad, when he got remarried, decided that his son was too much hassle to have at home, and so has like made him live with grandma. Every year, I keep running into students who are abandoned by at least one parent. Not just a divorce situation, but parents who are denying their children. And they're in my classroom. And then we end up receiving them and having to, and for a little while we sit there going, dear Lord, what is this behavior? And then I start to find out that I have this thread in my class of these students who are being abandoned and denied by their parents. And so I have a job to do that has nothing to do with the one I signed a contract for. Because those moments and those spaces, for whatever reason, the Lord keeps giving me. So honestly, it's been every year. I know that all of us deal with it. It's just been loud for me every year. So if you could put one of those things on your plate, can you please pray for our abandoned kids? Please. All right. So um, my very first semester that I started teaching at Grossmont College, um, I was teaching this class. It was about... 75 uh, students, and um, there's this one um, girl in my class, and she um, struggled quite a bit. Um, this was actually her, uh, she'd taken this class three times before, um, so this was actually her fourth time through. Um, so she had either, you know, dropped off partway or uh, withdrawn or whatever it's called. Um, so a lot of community college students do that if they're trying to move on um, to the university, for university. Um, so it's not on the permanent record. Um, so this is her fourth time going through, and she was still struggling quite a bit. 
Um, we have a lot of different, you know, math concepts and um, different chemistry things that we're doing and learning in class. Um, so I was able to, over the course of this semester, um, just work with her and spend a lot of time just work going through a lot of um, different learning things um, so she can just get those concepts in her head. Um, so over the course of lots of those hours and then um, through some extra credit and um, God, obviously. Um, so she was able to... Uh, passed the class with a squeak by with a C, and she was so appreciative um, right before the class ended and she knew that she was going to pass. Um, she came to me and told me that, you know, this was the last time that she was thinking about going through this class. She wasn't going to take it again, and if she didn't pass, then she was pretty much giving up on uh, moving forward um, to a four year university and transferring. Um, so she was just feeling so blessed. Um, so I know God was able to use me and encourage her and all the different uh, things going on. Um, I also had one other um, thing happen more recently uh, with another student. Um, so I, I teach this class that's mostly uh, people who are going into uh, nursing, so some pre-nursing students. So they're highly driven. They all want to get A's, of course. Um, so this student, um, she actually moved to the area because her boyfriend lived down here. Um, so she uh, moved to a completely different university and um, they were living together and then all of a sudden they broke up. And she's brand new to the area, doesn't know anyone. Um, and now she's having to go through this whole um, college system pretty much by herself. Um, so she had some definite hard times um, so she was able to share with me that, you know, there were some really dark days for her. She got very depressed. Um, she tried to commit suicide. Um, so, I don't know, God, God was able to speak through me at least somewhat. And um, I tried to encourage her, um, just let her know that she's loved. That's, you know, that's not the right thing. God wants her here. Um, she can get through this really hard time. And... Um, she actually passed with the highest grade in the class. So she, she got through, made some new friends, and um, there's always going to be those students that they just need that little encouragement because there's just life that goes on, not in our classes, but everywhere else, and it's just um, important. So one of my core beliefs is um, God provides opportunity. And I've mainly taught middle school, but I've had a smattering of high school. And six years ago, um, I was honored to be able to teach a group of seniors. In my time in middle school, I tried to convince the students that, yes, I understand that medieval history is not your thing. You don't see how you're going to use it. I think they absolutely need my other contact, ELA, so... I have a lot of great arguments for that. But I can always go to um, learning is going to provide you with opportunity and is going to provide you with choices later on. They rarely believe me in middle school. So when I had the chance to work with seniors, that changed. But it didn't change until four years later. When I got invited to some of my former students, college 
graduation parties. I had five students out of 92 seniors graduate from UCSD, something I don't think I could do. Extremely challenging school. Extremely challenging background for these students. All of these students, uh, probably their parents had maybe a combined education of eighth grade. Now, the reason why I bring up God Brings Opportunity, every single one of those students have had their family trajectory changed by that opportunity. So that was my God moment, sitting at those college graduation parties, listening to my former students who didn't think they would make it talk about, well, I'm going to grad school. I'm going to go do this. This is my dream job. Four years prior, they would have never, ever believed that about themselves. All right, so now I get to share one of my God moments. Um, So I have a new position at my school called instructional coach, which means I work with a lot of teachers on my campus. Um, But I'm actually not going to share that story, that God moment. I have God moments every day with them where I give them hope, where I work with them. We work with their kids. But what I want to share right now is a God moment that I got several years ago when I was still in the classroom. It was sixth grade, English and history. Woo! Um, And it was about the time when there started to be more school shootings. And we were starting to practice on a more regular basis, the lockdown drills and making sure everybody was safe. And so students were panicking about that. Everybody was panicking about that. What's going to happen? What are we going to do? And um, in the afternoon, I always had homework club. It was tutoring. It was, you know, you're failing my class. You need to come after school and do some work. Um, And, of course, nobody wanted to go. So I was in the hallway. I had some kids in who were actually getting stuff out to do work with. And I had some kids in the hallway who I was, you know, trying to convince, yeah, you need to get in here. I can totally help you. I'll just give you a couple of assignments. You do a little bit of this. You're going to get your grade up. It's going to be great. And I'm standing in my doorway trying to monitor the hallway, trying to monitor what kids are doing. And all of a sudden, I just stopped. And I looked at one of my students. He was sitting across the classroom underneath the window. His name was Cliff. And I looked at him, and he just had all his work just spread out. Yes, he was failing my class. Yes, um, it was really hard to get him to work. Um, He had an IEP, so he had his own struggles. He had a lot of things going on. But I feel like God just leaned down and whispered in my ear and said, that student and all of these students are who I have blessed you with. And even if you have to lock down, Even if something horrible happens at your school, I have given these students to you to make a difference in their lives. And at that moment, and I've had several of those moments since then, um, but at that moment, it changed my view of my students, that they're God's precious gift that he's given to me to protect and be that first line of defense if necessary. And that's my God moment. Um, I originally picked four God moments because we had four panelists, and I wanted to make sure they all, in case one of them forgot, <clears throat> we were good. So um, what uh, I want to pick two of them because they're, they're short on purpose. So the first one is um, when I, I student taught at Hoover High School and Monta Vista High School, and after student teaching, um, I was working as a, a summer assistant at Monta Vista, 
and I got a note from the principal and what it was. Now, some of you sitting over here have no idea what I'm talking about, but it was a carbon copy of a note that the principal had sent to the district office that said, um, please complete the paperwork to hire Chuck Downing. Um, I didn't interview. I didn't apply. That's a God thing. And, uh, and I enjoyed my time at Monta Vista. I went to Point Loma Nazarene University for uh, eight wonderful years. Then I went to Great Oak High School and was there uh, to teach, but I was really there to learn something from one of my uh, colleagues, and I'll share that with you if you want to afterwards. But the last one, I had this uh, young lady. Okay, my kids are always my kids. They're always young people. I have, you know, I see them. I don't care what they look like. That's not who they are. They're these high school kids. And she was my student in the mid-1980s. And one of her buddies put up something uh, and mentioned me in the post on Facebook. So people were commenting about it. And somebody said that they didn't like, I forgot what it was, something about what I was doing. And this is, I'm going to read the response because it's, I can't say it as well as she wrote it. So uh, this is her response to whatever the comment was. Well, this, this Teresa loves it. My favorite teacher ever, besides the pig stuff. Now, if you don't know what that means, you can ask Tim Fessler because uh, he has a pig dissection story that he'll be happy to share with you. <clears throat> but then um, she wrote this. But I learned about God from you. I taught science. I did not, you know, so. And she continues. LOL, you were a human. LOL. I love this. I didn't even think teachers went potty. <laughs> so awesome. I guess I don't remember saying anything about going potty. But she said, so awesome. Thank you for sharing. And then she continues. This is the 80s. You were groovy. And... I think, pardon my French, bitchin' was the term. Okay, I've been called a lot of things, but I don't remember being called groovy more than once, and I never was called the other word. Uh, not to my face, anyway. So, I responded to that comment. Me, rarely, but thank you. Rarely being about being called that. And then she, her final comment was, you don't even know. You were a godsend to me, and you didn't even know it. And that's what God moments are. They're things that we do as Christians, as being Christians, not intentionally trying to impact a person necessarily, but just living as Christ would have us live. And then we should all experience God moments. And I hope you hear about them from people that you have experience with in your life. Thank you. Amen. Won't you give them a hand today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Good job, everybody. Um, I, uh, I was a, uh, it might be a surprise, but I, I was one of the, the first kids on Ritland. And, and so I was a little bit hyperactive. And I remember those first few years in elementary school, I was taking this medicine. And I had all this kind of energy going on. And we're talking about God moments. And as a kid, I remember inviting Jesus and asking Christ to become a part of my life when I was 11 years old. And after that event, when I invited Jesus to come to my heart, it was just maybe the next day or so, my mom was driving me to school. And I told her, I said, I don't think I need Ritalin anymore. 
And, you know, I don't know if you, you get the connection, but what happened is something happened inside of me and in my mind. And she said, okay. And it changed my behavior. Now, before that time, my behavior, it was horrible. And, and so uh, I just now, as an adult, I look back at my, my education, my elementary school teachers, and how patient they were with me, how loving they were with me. And, and I think it's good that we take time to honor our educators and honor our teachers. And I just want to especially give these guys a round of applause one more time and just thank them for participating uh, in, this, in this special day. And in fact, for the panel, I have just a little gift card I want to give to each one of you. And thank you guys for taking the time and being nervous and all the things that's happened in, in regards to communicating to us. But I also want to thank Becca and Chuck. They've been w- working on this for three or four months. They have done an awesome job recruiting the panel, planning the whole thing. I didn't do anything. They did everything. And I want to honor them this morning for their work. Give them a hand and thank them for helping us this morning with this very special moment. Thank you guys again. God bless you. I honor all of you. And you're dismissed. Thanks for helping out today. I want to take a moment and just honor one more person. And um, uh, for me, it's it's a little bit selfish because it's somebody that had an impact upon my life. So today is a very special day for me. I love the deep, lifelong impact that my teachers and professors have had on my life. From my first grade teacher, Mrs. McCormick, and yes, I remember her name. I can't believe I can remember that long, that far back, who made me feel as if she showed up to teach just for me. To my third grade teacher, Mrs. Riggles, who painstakingly stayed late to make sure I was getting my times tables right, and then later became a friend of our family. Or whether it was Mrs. Steele, my fifth grade teacher that I had a crush on. Or my senior English teacher who made sure that I was prepared for college by asking me really hard questions. And of course, in my studies of theology, it was Dr. Ralph Nill who shaped me more by his actions of understanding and compassion than what I ever learned in class. But perhaps the deepest impact came to me through one special person that did not realize he was teaching me more than scripture. A person of whom I would follow in his footsteps as a youth pastor, because in part, he made it seem like the most important job on the planet. I'm not sure if he remembers how many times I dropped by just because, and we talked about nothing and everything. His love for Jesus, students, and myself was transformative. I was falling in love with the idea of full-time ministry at the time, and I didn't even know it. Wow, I love how God works. This pastor teacher needs to know this. Later, my student ministry youth pastor transitioned to public ed- education and after a time was promoted to the esteemed position of district superintendent of schools from which he is now retired. So this morning, it gives me great honor and with some emotion to present to you Dr. Rick Frost. Won't you come up here, doctor? I want to just honor you for a moment today and just thank the Lord for your impact in my life. And... Uh, and brother, God bless you. Amen. You have recently retired, and um, and you made a transition from being a Nazarene student ministries pastor uh, to a public school teacher, and then later on district superintendent. All that. Tell us about that transition a little bit. Well, and, and this church had something to do with. That. Yeah. By the way, that's right. Yeah. yeah you, I was I was a youth pastor here back in the uh, late seventies after graduating Point Loma, and even while I was at Point Loma, right. part of the time. 
And one of the board members, who was also our varsity basketball coach, Myron Finkbeiner, uh, his family and the girls and, and son were in my youth group yeah. here, uh, moved to Napa First Church. And uh, he worked up at NNC as basketball coach. And I saw him at a tournament, a Nazarene tournament back in Bethany, Oklahoma. And he said, hey, I was going to seminary at the time. He said, we need a youth pastor in the worst way. Can I drop your name? Well, I prayed about it for about one second. He said, uh, <laughs> seminary is a hard place. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up, but I knew I was called to students. Right. I knew I was called to junior high and senior high students. God calls us to lifestyle more than he does a position, I think. Amen. And sure enough, that's where I met Tony. Yeah. I went and took that job, and uh, the rest is history, and it's been a blessing. But uh, a pastor there on staff, there were seven of us full-time staff, he said, if you could do anything else besides this, what would it be? I said, teach and coach. He said, you said that really quickly. Don't you think God's leading your life in a certain way by just what he's put in your heart? And it freed me up to understand that that is how God is leading us. Exactly. I want to be with kids on a more frequent basis. In the natural context, what they do every day. And God's blessed me through through that for many, many years. Amen. Praise the Lord. You don't need this, do you? Yeah, I don't need it. Um, Well, and so you transitioned from that that youth ministry role into public teaching, but yet your ministry did not change. That's correct. Is what I heard. I remember talking with you on the phone, talking about that, and how you had the opportunity to continue to impact lives as as educators do. And well, as as one of your students, I think I was about fourteen, fifteen, sixteen when you were my my youth pastor. And so don't believe anything he says, you know, but uh, anyways, I, I just, I, I have something here I want to, I want to honor you with. And uh, this is just a little trophy. It says, it uh, reads teacher appreciation in honor of Rick Foss, pastor, teacher, mentor. And I want to thank you for the impact that you had on my life. Tell you that I love you. Thank love you. you thank you for being so here. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning and to take the time and the effort, make the effort to say that our educators and our teachers, they matter, they make a difference. Um, on the back of my door, I, I have a sign, a piece of paper with words on it, a sign that, that one of our, our team members brought to me. In fact, Bess here, our little uh, office administrator, and she brought me these words right off the bat, maybe the first week that she was here. And she said, Pastor, I just love this. And I took it and I just, I hung on to it. In fact, I have it on the screen here for you. And here are the words. If you go to my office today, you'll see these words on the back of my door. Fearless, have fun. All in. I love that. Say that out loud with me. Fearless, have fun, all in. And I thought to myself, that is exactly the kind of spirit that we need to have as a team of pastors. That's the spirit that we ought to have as, as ministers of the gospel. And as I was approaching this weekend, I thought to myself, that's exactly the spirit that educators, teachers need to have in regards to teaching their little students. I can imagine, you know, I cannot imagine, but I I can imagine that walking into a class of 25, you know, uh, middle school students, there's a little bit of fear and trepidation that goes along with that, right? And I can imagine that. You say, well, pastor, how do we fear less? Well, we fear less because we know that we're on the right side of things. We fear less because we know that we're doing the right things for the right reason and that we're caring and that we're loving and that we're shaping and that that we're caring for young people's lives and we're educating the world. And that makes all the difference. We can fear less. I, I think one of the best examples has to be the master teacher himself, Jesus Christ. 
In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, we're looking around verse 29, it says there, He spoke as of one who has authority, not as the teachers of the law. As one who has authority, and he had the authority because he had the call of God upon his life. That he was the plan of of God for all of mankind. And so he feared less. He feared less when he he faced the the empire. Jesus Christ feared less when he faced the establishment and, and dealt with all the resistance, the issues that mankind threw at him. Jesus had no fear because he had a calling. And I believe today that teachers, educators, you have a calling and you've responded to that call. Fear less. And when we fear less... Then we're all in. I'll never forget my, my senior science teacher. My, my senior science teacher was one of those teachers, Chuck, your science teacher, one of those teachers that the kids loved to go the, to his class. I mean, you, you know, kids would skip school and they'd come back at the end of the day to go to his class because this guy was a kick. I mean, he was fun. I mean, you knew he had this finesse where you knew when it was okay to have fun and be crazy, but then you also knew, you know, when it was time to be serious. And he had that kind of impact. And I believe that he was able and he had that gift of, of, of leading us and having fun because he had no fear. He was able to fear less and he knew how to have fun. But then as we do that, then we, we're all in. I cannot think of a person, an individual that was all in more than Jesus Christ himself. In fact, as we think about Jesus and we can we, we think of him in his different titles and different names and we can call him Redeemer, we can call him Lord, we can call him Messiah, we can call him even the King of Kings. But a little interesting fact, did you know that in the 90 times that Jesus was directly addressed in the New Testament, that in those 90 times he was directly addressed, he was addressed 60 of those times as teacher. That Jesus was the master teacher. It was the way the multitudes addressed Christ. Is the way that the disciples addressed him. And in fact, in John chapter 13 and verse 13, Jesus, he even referred to himself as the teacher and as the Lord, as you call me. Yes, I am that, said Jesus. Even Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he said, Jesus, Lord, I know that you are a teacher who has come from God. We even remember in, in, in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 19 when he said, you know, chapter 19, verse 28, excuse me, 28, that Jesus said, Go therefore into all the nations, teaching the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have taught you. Folks, Jesus started a movement. It was not just a church. It was a movement. And that movement has surrounded the globe and is still impacting humankind today because Jesus Christ was a teacher. Amen. You see, that is an everlasting impact. That has an eternal impact. And, and it's, it's a little different from the physical you know, things of the world that we cherish and we love. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were all moved a little bit, maybe some more than others, at the loss of Notre Dame. And you heard that in the news, right? That that, that, that great cathedral had burned and the major main spire had collapsed. And, and I began to read a little bit about that. And I'm trying to imagine the loss of a thousand year old oaks. And, and the components, the pieces. And certainly they can rebuild it, but they cannot replace it. Because something physical is temporary. But the thing that you do, educator, 
It is everlasting. The thing that you do impacts one generation, the next generation, and the next generation, especially when you share Jesus Christ with them because that transforms their lives and that is long-lasting and it matters. And so today, we honor our teachers and educators this morning. I can't tell you how teachers have affected my life and have directed me and loved me when I did not deserve to be loved. That year before I asked Jesus to become my personal Savior, I had the teacher that I had a crush on, Mrs. Still. And uh, she uh, had such a wonderful way of, of handling me. Uh, that's what she was doing. I know that now is an all. But she, she said, I'm going to have you be my helper, Tony. And she put my desk up by her desk. And I thought that I was something special and that, you know, that I was getting to do some special assignments and special things. Well, I was special, all right. (laughs) And she was so wise, rather than demean me and to push me down and to make me feel small and inept and hyper, she loved me and she cared for me. That's the difference that teachers make. We honor you teachers this morning. In fact, we have a little gift for all of our educators. But first, I want to just highlight our preschool. We have a school right here on our own campus. And we have an awesome director, Angela. Would you stand right there? Uh, I threatened to have her give a speech, but and she could do it too. But this is our director of our preschool. And I want to let you know something. She's hitting it out of the park. I mean, our school is growing. The numbers are up. Financially, it's solid. Things have transitioned. The rooms have been remodeled. She is making it happen. Give her a hand. I want to just recognize her this morning for being an important part of our team. Amen. And then some of our preschool uh, educators and teachers. Are there any uh, of our preschool teachers? I know we had some in our first service. Are there any here? Just stand if any of our preschool teachers are in this service. So they came to the first service. If you are an educator, your preschool, your elementary school, your middle school, your high school, your college professor or retired teacher, would you stand? Remain standing. Do not be seated. Just all the educators stand right there where you're at. Just stand right there. I'm going to have the ushers come forward and help me. Yeah, give them a hand. All the educators just stand right there and remain standing because we have a little gift for you. In fact, I'm going to have a couple of ushers come and help me with this. And we have Holly. Maybe somebody else can grab another basket. And once you receive your gift, you're you're invited to sit back down. Um, And we just want to honor and say to our teachers and our educators this morning, you're awesome. Thank you for shaping our lives and impacting our lives the way that you have. And uh, we just thank the Lord for you. And we thank the Lord that you are representing Christ even to your students. And so what, what an opportunity it is for us to just hopefully in a little bit, in a little way, to return to you, you know, love and appreciation, the kind of love that you've shown us. So educators, we honor you today. It's all about you teachers. Let's stand together. I want to pray a blessing on the teachers this morning. Let's do that. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for answered prayer. Thank you, God, for our teachers, our educators. Thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity to just express our, our appreciation to them. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bless these, these teachers as they go back into their, their schools and they go back into their place. And that, Father, as they live in their space, that they will be this positive example, Lord, to our world. And so, Father, bless our teachers, I pray. Thank you for this moment. Thank you, Lord, for this moment. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. 
Amen. And amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see everybody next Sunday morning.